Hello, and welcome to another episode of Houston. We have a podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be discussing the Batman. Uh, and here with us is new guest, Christoph. Christoph, welcome to the show. Um, as we always do with new guests, uh, to introduce ourse- yourself to our audiences so they know kind of what perspectives you have, who you are, where you're coming from. Uh, we ask our new guests to introduce themselves with a movie character and a movie that represents them as a person for any reason that you so choose. Uh, so what have you chosen to introduce yourself as? Hey guys, happy to be here. Uh, again, I kind of wish I got some heads up on this question, so thanks for that <laughs> right now. Uh, if I had to choose one, uh, given to the minimal amount of times that I've been at a cinema, I guess, in the last two years or so, let's just go with a recent example. And I'm going to go ahead and pick... Uh, the Denis Villeneuve version of Dune that recently came out, along with uh, Oscar Isaac's character of Duke Leto. Uh, everything about him is extremely relatable in that he tries to be extremely practical. Everything he says is technically correct, but nobody listens to him. Uh, and much like his runtime within that movie, he likes to jump out of social situations as soon as possible, especially at times where Timothy Chalamet becomes the subject of conversation. <laughs> that, that is an impressive amount of uh, analysis there with short time to, to prep for that. So kudos to you, sir. That was a very, yeah, very good ad lib. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Most of it was motivated by hatred. <laughs> uh, I, I will mention to our audiences, part of the reason that uh, this episode came to be is you listened to our episode of Dune where we were shit talking Dune and you said, hey guys, I got a movie that I want to shit talk. That being <laughs> the Batman. <laughs> Uh, so maybe I'll start there, uh, before we get into the whole conversation, uh, what's a quick like sentence or two thoughts on just high level. What are your views of the Batman before we get into like detailed discussion? Um, Christoph, why don't you go first? Oof, uh, high level discussion, I guess. If I have to think <laughs> of one sentence, maybe to summarize the movie, it's uh, mentally ill rich man decides that he could have avoided the entire plot of this by going to work for one day and making sure that his shithole city actually gets some of the money that his parents set aside for it. Uh, aside from that, genuinely thought it was a fairly enjoyable action movie from start to finish, and I appreciated, I guess, the new take on Batman. But much like the extra hour and a half that could have probably been cut from the runtime, a lot of it was kind of needless. That was that was a lot nicer than I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. A lot of vengeance jokes to be said. Uh, Paul, how about yourself? Um, angsty teenage Batman. I'll keep it at one sentence because there's lo- there's lots to say. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm very curious as to uh, to hear more about um, your your description, Christoph. <laughs> I I feel like a lot of that passed me by because like just the bloated runtime. I could feel myself like tuning in and out. Um, even like the second time watching um, the movie just for this at home. Like you'd think I'd be able to focus a little bit more, but. Uh, no, I just, it couldn't really capture my, my attention. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just, I wasn't compelled. Um, and to be fair, the first time around when I actually watched it in the theater, it was probably like one of the worst theater experiences that I've had so far. Um, cause there was like a, a group of like teenage boys like walking and dancing around the theater. Um, I like, I think they had snuck in or something and they were just waiting for their mom to pick them up. <laughs> um and it's just it completely took me out of it but that aside i still didn't really enjoy it 
for myself, I, I feel like I'm more aligned to Kristoff than I thought I would be. Um, there's a lot that I liked and there's a lot that was really bad. So I, I'm not going to say that this movie was absolute garbage and I'm not going to say that I absolutely loved it. Um, I kind of have to like talk about it in piecemeal because again, some things really, really good. Some things are just like laughably bad. Um, so that said, I was sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say, it sounds like we have all, we all have the same perspective. That's not fun. (laughs) Well, so I was going to suggest as a starting point for the conversation, let's, let's get rid of, let's get out all the bad things first, because there's a lot of easy jokes to make about this movie. So let's, (laughs) let's make them all. Um, what for you, like, I think each of us had things we liked and things we didn't like. So for you guys, what were the things that like you really hated the most with this? You you know, okay. Maybe to start it off, this will speak to my, one of my biggest complaints about the movie. Like I just watched it last night and I don't really remember (laughs) anything enough that I cared about enough to 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 even hate on which is weird for me um i don't know like i, I guess we'll start starting with um with robert pattinson who i actually like as an actor i i enjoy seeing him act but i feel like like him i don't know if it was him as batman or just just batman in this movie there was like it, it felt like there was there was like barely any Batman, if that makes any sense. Like it's just it was very standard and. But that's true of any like, Batman movie. Like Batman is the least interesting character of any Batman movie. Which I I mean sure, but like I, I don't know if I I really don't know how to describe this. Like it's almost like it wasn't a Batman movie. No, uh, this is this is tough. Someone I don't know. <laughs> No, I kind of get where you're coming from from that one in that, um, well, like, just from a dialogue perspective alone, uh, I'm kind of torn on Robert Pattinson because sometimes I think it's just like, wow, this guy put in a ridiculously good performance, but there are other times that I feel like he's been playing the exact same character in every single movie that he's been in, which is sort of like a dark, angsty, teenage heartthrob minus whatever the fuck was going on in the lighthouse because I still don't really understand what the point of that movie was. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, like the thing that kind of caught me off guard was, um, I guess like in the advertising to this movie, as they were building it up, it was billed as this sort of like Batman more as a detective and it's going to be a lot more of like an on the ground story of how he interacts with the cops. And like there is that from time to time. But I kind of like if I could stomach myself to sit through it again for three hours, I would want to record like the amount of actual lines of dialogue that Batman has in the movie because I don't think it's over 60 at any point. And most of it is grunting, uh, saying the words vengeance or talking about a flying rat at multiple occasions. <laughs> he's he's like a caveman a little bit like yeah. it's, he's something like uh, like the, the first uh, detective part when he's uh, in the car, like the mayor's car. And he's like, thumb drive. <laughs> Try this. <laughs> so I that actually was, uh, really liked that it it felt like a film noir detective movie. At least it felt like they were trying to go for that. What I really didn't like is like there were certain points where it seems like they didn't know how to resolve something. And so they were just like, here's some dialogue. Here's a recording of someone saying exactly what you need them to say to help the pod move <laughs> forward. And it was just like, good, good, good really terrible dialogue and then it would just try to like pick up and move on it's like okay hold on there you can't just drop that bomb and just walk away from it um so there's just like 
I, I like the idea of a Batman film noir movie. And like when you were saying it doesn't feel like a Batman movie for me, that was a good thing of like, it felt like a detective movie and that he just happened to also be Batman and punch people at times. But it's just that the detective work was really lazy and coincidental. Like when the, the police officer points out to him that it's like a tool to cut the carpet. It's like, come on, <laughs> you can you can put a little more effort into revealing that. So I, I was thinking about this. It's funny that you bring that up because I, I was expecting you to be defending this a lot more. So I had this ready for you. And I remember thinking back to our conversation about uh, A Quiet Place. Um, and you were saying how like it was so obvious, like on the whiteboard, they have like written on the whiteboard, what is their weakness? And then the exact same thing, like it, basically the ba exact same thing in the Batman when like he like Alf after Alfred is attacked, um, he's like he spray paints on his floor like the sins of my father, like renewal is a lie. And <laughs> I, was, I was like, yeah, that's uh, a little on the nose for a for a. Uh, like the, the world's greatest detective. It uh, kind of felt a little bit like 2003 Daredevil at times, to be honest, like right down to the <laughs> angsty soundtrack and like the It's Always Sunny, like crazy man wall that he had in that scene. Uh, but kind of like to jump on your point there, Carson, at least like how lazy the detective aspect was for it. Um, I also don't really think you can say that Batman actually did much in the way of detective work in this movie. He kind of has very little agency, I think, throughout. Uh, but in terms of like moving the case along or at least trying to crack the Riddler murders, most of it is kind of just landed into his lap and he like interprets an envelope that magically popped out of the sky because Riddler apparently decides to go rob a Carlton cards before committing his crimes. <laughs> and like the only actual clue I think that he breaks is towards the end prior to the uh, I don't know what your guys' uh, policy is on, like, spoilers during the podcast. Do you, like, talk about spoilers? Uh, okay, fantastic. Yeah, like, right up to the, uh, I guess, like, the school shooting scene at the rally. Like, I think that was the only part that he actually, like, cracked a part of the case that wasn't just handed to him by Riddler himself. Well, one of the reasons why I ended up being probably more disappointed than I should in this movie is because I thought it actually started quite well. Um, the subtleties in the scene when uh, he first walks in and, uh, who is it, like, the mayor or someone's been murdered? And, you know, the, the crime photographers are walking around and they're, they're shooting pictures and then he notices something and then he like leans into it and then he walks away and then you see the crime photographer come up and like be like, oh, I missed that and then takes a picture. And it's like, for me, that's the type of thing that's like you can hint at him being a better detective than the crime scene detectives with little things like that. And I was like, okay, just keep doing stuff like that. You don't need to like do this like fancy stuff. It's just like little nuanced stuff like that. Um, but then they, they had very few of that. They kind of gave that up to the, the more like, here's your clue, Mr. Batman. And then <laughs> just keep going. I did kind of appreciate that they didn't go sort of the same way that the Christian Bale movies did, where like the detective aspect was like Batman uses fancy piece of technology to crack the case. Because I always thought that kind of gave the movies like a weird authoritarian bent. It's like, no, we could have actually solved this sooner if the police just had like billions more in funding to create their own weird special technology. I never made that connection while I was watching the Christian Bale Batmans. Well, I, I guess at least until the uh, like the whole sonar yeah. part. Surveillance and shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, wow, interesting. I mean, it's still my favorite, though. We'll, we could get into that later. <laughs> yeah, the one that was on the fence for me was the whole like contact lens that's a camera. It's like outside of that being a silly piece of technology, like I liked the use of it because it was like, okay, you need to put this on someone you don't know. They need to walk into a setting. And it's like, that's investigation work. You're, you're going into kind of another environment. You're looking, you're talking to the people. So it's like, okay, you're, you're actually doing detective work. It's not like Batman jumping into the room and punching a bunch of people. 
except he does do that like a few scenes later <laughs> um so I'll, I'll forgive the use of like silly technology and stuff like that when it actually makes the story more interesting but i just i felt like they they hinted at stuff like that but they never really used it properly so on the subject of realism i guess in a batman movie uh does this guy have like bones made of adamantium or something? Because just that one scene, well, I, I guess like there's a lot of things to break down about the car chase scene with the penguin to begin with, which is first apparently the Batmobile is a muscle car now. So I'm guessing he's guest <laughs> starring in the next Fast and Furious. Uh, but I think there's one scene where he just like falls off a bridge or something, gets sideswiped by a bus and then like dribbles over by three uh, blocks or so and then just gets up and pretends like nothing happens. And then proceeds to like, I guess, kind of cut a storm of carnage through the city to just try to catch one guy in the car. I'm okay with that um, because one thing I liked about this movie is it didn't feel the need to be an origin story where it's trying to justify what his suit is. You kind of just go in from the beginning being like, he's got some type of really powerful suit that's protecting him. Like he's getting shot in like the chest a bunch of times and he takes no damage. Um, and so I'm, I'm willing to have a suspension of disbelief when it comes to like, okay, he's got a suit that protects him to an unusual degree. Um, and because that car chase, I liked it and it's like, okay, that's fine. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to get too picky on that one. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't mind a little sequel hook of just talking about like the body count in that scene alone. Cause I'm pretty sure he like wiped out in half of Gotham's civilian population on that. <laughs> I, I do like that in the, uh, Ben Affleck Batman, everyone's like, Oh my God, Batman killed somebody. And this one, they're just like, we just don't give a fuck anymore. He just he kills as <laughs> many people as he wants. <laughs> oh, but... Uh, but going back to the point, like, I really like that this was an in-between of an origin story and like a, a kind of a fully fledged hero. Like usually, you know, you keep having the origin stories and I'm glad they didn't do that again because we don't need to see another Batman origin story. But it's almost like by the end of an origin story, they are full hero character that they're going to be. And there's no more development after that. It's like they're basically OP. And I like that this movie was him as a new Batman who has the costume you know it's not the origin story but he's not good at what he's doing yet he, he's young he's making mistakes and it's like i feel like that's something we haven't seen in the movies at least yet and so i liked that kind of fresh perspective on the character that gives him room to grow in future movies i, I appreciate that too but i also find it kind of, found it kind of weird because it it seemed like they were jumping between like new batman versus uh like like still I don't know he's he's still like that symbol or like that he gives he's he he scares all the criminals just because his like sign That's is in this guy great scene by the way it um, was, yeah. does not match what they want to do with the character but i thought that was a great scene <laughs> it, exactly because they they mentioned like him and uh gordon were talking at one point and he's like you've been at this for two years or something like that like and you don't trust me or something and but at the same time he's still not particularly like good at anything and it's like I, like I, I get you're trying to do the thing where he's like new Batman and he's like still learning, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, uh, I, I'm expecting too much. Isn't like two years, a long time to be going at this. And yeah. Cause he runs into those like punks in the subway and they're like, who are you supposed to be? And they it's don't like, know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is he well known? Is every criminal afraid <laughs> of him or do they not know who he is? I don't like, they never explained this yet. Yeah. But then I will say like, it's good. It's not, it's, interesting or like i like how they tie it up at the end like with when he finally meets riddler and he's like talking to him in the in the in the jail and uh he says something about how like oh you inspired me because all you need is like 
uh, like fear and like a little bit of violence. Um, and that that's like how he's like accomplishing what he's doing when it's so he's like taking Batman's model and then he and then Batman finally realizes like I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't make that take that approach by the end. Yeah, I think like a common complaint that at least I saw in terms of online comments was that um, usually for most Batman movies, you try to have a bit of a balance, I guess, between like the Batman and the Bruce Wayne characters or just show like the alter ego does exist. Whereas in this movie, it's pretty much just exclusively Gerard Way and Batman and with very little actually said in between. But I guess like the entire point of the movie is kind of just building up to the idea that like he kind of has to learn to also be Bruce Wayne and can't just like mindlessly devote himself to beating on criminals all the time. Uh, <laughs> although I will say I don't think that point came off particularly well since again most of the problems in the movie are solved with violence. Or yeah, <laughs> or at all because like it's one conversation with Alfred and and over cufflinks and then that's it yeah. can we also just talk about he actually said the expression you're not my dad to his like, <laughs> yeah um so speaking of the inconsistencies of a movie here here is something i was thinking about and it'll be interesting because they've greenlit the second one so none of this is going to come out for a long time but i was thinking about two movies um when i was kind of seeing how this movie was a bit of a mess um one being the last jedi uh, which is a movie that, you know, Ryan Johnson, very talented director, had full control over that movie, but it was an absolute mess because of just who he was at working in like a big production or big blockbuster studio with Star Wars. Um, the other being the the most recent Fantastic Four movie with Josh Trank, um, where it's like half the movie is one thing and the other half is like very obvious the studio just recut it and did whatever they want with it. And so when I see that certain parts of this movie are good and then certain parts are just completely fall off a map, is it because Matt Reeves had full control over this movie and just, you know, he should not be making this type of big blockbuster movie because he's a talented director? Um, or did he make a movie and then the studio tried to cut a bunch of stuff in and didn't realize that it didn't make sense for the vision of what he was trying to accomplish? I don't know. I don't think I got that that vibe especially when you bring up fantastic four because that is just like that's a very anytime... odd that's the extreme end that pretty yeah blatant. that yeah. is like the most extreme and i can't get my mind out of that now but um i don't know i i i didn't really get that vibe because it was all pretty constant for me it was um, a constant like, tone like yeah in fantastic four you can tell which scenes are which because like the characters are dressed differently and it's just like completely different tone and like even in the last jedi like it's kind of just weird because the tone changes completely mid movie this one it, it feels like the same movie like it feels like matt reeves did everything but it almost feels like the studio cut it up at the script form and then said here go make this thing so i did feel a little bit like that when it comes to the third act of the movie and i'm not entirely sure if this is just down to studio things or just the runtime kind of working against the movie's plot by itself but it did kind of feel like the movie itself really, really got sidetracked with the Falcone plotline along with Catwoman before eventually realizing in the last half hour, like, oh shit, we actually haven't solved the whole Riddler problem <laughs> that we introduced this movie with. So it almost felt like the in-between segments, I guess, like up to like, well, uncovering like who the rat was and the old mafia plotline. Uh, some elements of that did feel a little bit like studio interference. I will also say that like the tone of the movie and how Riddler is treated isn't entirely consistent all the way through. Cause like, yes, he's nuts. And, uh, 
they got that whole dichotomy thing going of just like, oh, him and Bruce are both orphans, but look how like one interpretation just radically left them into different directions. Uh, but you could, I think, reasonably confidently say that up until the, I guess, like massacre segment at the end, the audience is kind of looking at Riddler and being like, well, I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of the shit that he's doing, just so much his methodology. Whereas at that point, it's like he goes full villain tilt and it just feels like you're dealing with another sort of routine superhero movie. Yeah, which is too bad because I really, really like Paul Dano and I feel like he could play that character really well. But then it's like he went off a cliff at the end and it was like, who, who is this character? Like, I don't understand. Uh, like yeah they, they should end i i like long movies i defend longer movies like the snyder cut i really liked this movie was too long they should have ended at like 45 minutes sooner does the snyder cut count when half its runtime is just from all the action scenes being in slow motion <laughs> yes slow motion's fine um i mean it, well I, i'm not gonna go down that i was just gonna say like 300 was the same style but it was like half like a third of the of the the runtime of of the Snyder cut, but it's I think going back to Christoph, what you were saying about those kind of two different stories. If you have like the Falcone and Catwoman, and then the Riddler story, I think I understood what they were trying to go for, and I think there is a way to weave those two stories together and have it, you know, end at the climax of like figuring out that that's what the Riddler's whole plan was was to get him out into the the light so that he could shoot him and and all that. But it was just, it was sloppy. Like, they they felt like two different stories where it's like, you really could have made that the same story. Yeah, it's almost to the point that, like, if they had ended the movie with uh, Riddler's Arrest, like, after shooting Falcone and he didn't have, like, a super secret master plan right after, it would have kind of created a more cogent narrative. But then after that, he just turned into mass murdering psychopath for pretty much no reason. But well, not no it, reason, like, it's consistent. Yeah. But... That's where it feels like a studio note, though, because it's like, that feels like that was <laughs> what the end of the movie was supposed to be. But then the studio was like, you can't have Batman lose. You need to have some other big action scene at the end. But he's still kind of lost. <laughs> yeah. Like the city's like half annihilated. At this bloody, point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and at that point, like to, to your, uh, to your point um, with the, with the whole length of the, the, the whole, the runtime, like it completely lost me. Like, and it, this is usually the part that I enjoy the most. Like Carson very well knows like the, the big action scene at the end is usually what I like what I look forward to but like by in this but at this point in, in the movie I was just kind of like checked out that that scene at the end I was just like oh no white supremacist gun nuts on the internet are coming to get you <laughs> which I, uh... I spent enough time on reddit that like I don't need to see it in a movie <laughs> Uh, if anything, I would kind of go in the opposite direction. Like if they were planning on putting that as a plot element, and I guess maybe this lends to the idea that it was a studio bit, uh, maybe like telegraph it a little bit beforehand if you want to create some sort of moral about online radicalization, not just towards the end be like, oh, by the way, the Riddler had a chat room and people were like... <laughs> yeah, it really comes out of left field. Like they did not preface that in any way. Yeah, which is kind of like leading me to the idea that I think the movie was supposed to go in the direction of moral ambiguity, which is just like, like, yes, Riddler did something horrendous, but he did it at the time where like Batman proved that the justice system was actually working. And like the five non-corrupt cops in Gotham City were actually going to arrest the guy. And then it was supposed to just end off there to kind of like leave it, I guess, on a bleak note. And then the studio just got involved and said, no, we need like an actual superhero ending here. Yeah, I, I think Batman is a good character and a good IP to talk about kind of a ends justify the means type thing because like that's kind of the batman character in and of itself so i feel like that would have been the appropriate subject matter to do a batman movie about 
Um, but it just feels like it feels like studios don't want to do anything with Batman. They just want to give you the same thing that you've seen before, because there's so many interesting things you could do, especially considering, you know, the whole thing about Batman in the comics is he is completely ineffective. The, the longer he exists in Gotham, the worse it gets because he's inspiring violence and hatred. Um, but they can't like Batman is the only working DC character right now. They can't turn him like look at like the bad side of him. Um, I think the one um, kind of thing they're doing against that is they they've started to turn Thomas Wayne into a bad character in a bunch of movies now. Like in the Joker, he was a shitty character, and now in this one, they're like, oh, he's killing journalists. And it's like okay, I I like that they're picking apart the the whole like perfect Thomas Wayne thing a bit because that's very different than like the Christian Bale Batman's where it's like his father was like, you know, perfect philanthropist type guy. Um, so I, I like that part of it at least, but I feel like they need to go so much further with the character. If anything, I'd say actually that could be a good retread of the Christian Bale movies because it's kind of what I appreciated at least about The Dark Knight. I know like a lot of it gets overshadowed with just how good Heath Ledger was in that movie and the general undertone of insanity there. Uh, but like the one moral that I kind of wish that they had delved in deeper to, at least in that trilogy, was that in the first movie, like Batman's dealing primarily with mobsters and like relatively on the ground criminals. But because he shows up to that city, that's when shit just goes really off the rails and like crazy demon clowns start showing up. <laughs> like that's something to maybe pursue, just be like, oh, you're kind of having a bad influence influence on the place man like maybe just go spend your money instead and they do have the one line at the end of the christian bale or the, the first dark knight movie um where it's like escalation you know cops get bulletproof vests and you know criminals get armor piercing rounds and it's like that's all you need and then like you've kind of hinted it to your audience and then you can let kind of like the uh results of the story kind of tell that story as opposed to being really heavy-handed with it so not that I want to get into a conversation of how good the Christopher Nolan Batman movies are, because everyone knows that. Um, do you, do you think you could draw a parallel between like maybe Batman needing to stop being Batman because he's making things worse, versus in real life maybe they should stop making Batman movies? <laughs> <laughs> like, so this became a meta narrative. <laughs> like I don't know. I I think I. I have a bit of a, a Batman fatigue at this point. Well, they did a bit of like that with the Jurassic World movie where they made a story basically inspired like about how, you know, corporations get greedy with blockbuster studios and all that. And then Jurassic World ended up being super successful and no one really caught that. that that's what they were trying to make a satire of. Um, but what I... The Batman movie I'd love to see is one where Batman is not the main character because anytime he's the main character, you kind of have to make him the good character. Um, what I want to see them make is like a, a Nightwing movie where, you know, he teams up with Batman as Robin and because you know, he, he thinks Batman's super cool and he's making a big difference. And then he realizes that Batman's kind of shitty and not really effective at what he does. And so he kind of uh, comes off on his own and then becomes Nightwing instead of Robin. It's like, I, I'd like to see that story but i don't think i can ever see a studio making a batman movie where batman is not the main character yeah nightwing also just doesn't really i guess have the same draw and if i'm being honest the costume doesn't really do him any favors on that one uh, <laughs> the movie that i always kind of did want to see was more of like a, 
I guess, I don't know how to describe it, except for like a Batman movie, but where Batman is not the main focus. So like you maybe just go through like the Gotham officers and just what it's like to actually deal with him from a third person perspective. And I was kind of hopeful, at least with um, like the teasers that they left towards the end for the sequels. Because I think the storyline, I guess, for anybody who followed Batman comics way back when is No Man's Land towards the end, where like Gotham's just like an anarchy zone and shit just kind of uh, forms like its own little social order there. Like That would be sort of like a fascinating thing to take, where like you do a Gotham City Center movie rather than a Batman one. I don't think they're capable of taking that risk. They have no (laughs) other superheroes that are working for them right now, and so they just need to keep churning out Batman movies. Uh, I blame whoever directed The Man of Steel because I can't remember off the top of my head right now. I I was... It's Zack Snyder. Uh, I was going to bring up... (laughs) So I was going to bring up uh, Man of Steel because I... So I I don't think Man of Steel is a good movie. I'm not going to defend it here. But what I hated about man of steel at that time is people hated on it and it became popular to hate on and so people started saying that anything that man of steel did is a bad thing and no future movie should do it um i like darker superhero movies i like the more like uh drama side of like the first like hour of man of steel is like his background and it's not like the costume uh i like the 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 violent nature of it and so for me i I hate that they kind of just associated everything that was with it is bad and you should not do these. And then we started getting Marvel movies where it's colorful and jokey and just like the same thing over and over again. And so that's why I wanted to separate in this conversation, the difference between the things I didn't like with this movie with the things that I did, because like, for example, I love the production design of this movie. Um, Just like the Gotham that they set up that feels modern and at the same time, Gothic. Um, Like I I wish that they kept that going a bit more. Um, The whole idea of superheroes that aren't, perfect in their roles and still learning what they're doing and like understanding like what the impact of their their work is um i hope that people don't shit on this movie and just be like well dc doesn't work don't do dark stuff again let's tell more jokes because uh, that's what happened with man of steel and while i don't like man of steel i think there is some things that they did that were quite good i, for- I forgot we have to we still have to talk about the good stuff that we that we liked about batman <laughs> I've mentioned most of the good stuff already. I don't have much more to say. I mean, we've been very forgiving so far. I think. I thought this was going to be a lot more of like a (laughs) shit talking session, if I'm being honest. Um, Well, then to to get right into it, then uh, Colin Farrell acted the shit out of the Penguin. Um, I don't know. Very hot take. I'm not the only one who didn't realize that that was him until you like looked at the cast list afterwards, right? Because like the makeup department deserves all the Oscars for that role. Yeah, 100%. So I knew it was him because I knew about it ahead of time. But like, I don't know, everyone's raving about him and I'm like, it's okay. Like, are people impressed just because of the makeup? Or did he actually give an impressive performance? And it's like, he was okay. He's fine. I just, I I think, yeah, largely because of the fact that he's completely unrecognizable, but also playing this, like, uh, just completely, I, I don't know. I've never seen Colin Farrell play anything like that before um he's usually i don't know the only other thing that i can think of is in like horrible bosses when he was like the the fat cokehead dipshit son uh like i i think he did really well yeah i thought he acted against type like reasonably well on account of the fact that it's just like it's not the type of role you'd ever associate with him where he's usually like tall dark brooding and handsome uh <laughs> but 
like I guess the thing that I kind of appreciate about his performance is that I think it was kind of the only real moment of levity in the film because otherwise like yeah the production design is great and like the griminess of Gotham is something you appreciate but after a while it just gets like a little bit too grim and you're like I don't really care about what happens to these people so just having those occasional bits in between where he's trying to I guess like get a laugh out of the audience like when they're uh, interrogating him and then he just basically gives them an introductory lesson to Spanish like I <laughs> burst out laughing in the middle of the theater. I feel like you guys haven't seen enough Colin Farrell movies because I, I feel like he's gone away from that stereotype probably like 10, 20 years ago. Um, and he still plays it every once in a while, but I'm thinking of movies like uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh, The Lobster, mm. um, like he, Seven Psychopaths, I think another one where he's kind of been against the green. Like he's been showing that for a while now, and I'm glad that he's had like a bigger platform to display that because I do think he is a pretty good actor who kind of got... Uh, put into kind of that typical leading man role in Hollywood where you have to be like the, the good looking, charming guy. And it's like, that's not what he does. Well, he does crazy way better in Bruges is another one uh, where he has a really good, that type of role. Well, yeah, like th that type of role. I, I feel like I included that in the stuff that we've all seen from him before. Like mm -hmm. just because, so I'm separating, I'm completely separating penguin from any of that, which is why I like why I enjoyed it more i guess um the one that i was actually surprised at in terms of um performance was john Turturro, because when i first saw that he was going to be falcone i was like really but he actually did quite well he, he, he's not playing the jesus anymore oh my god i like now i i i'm complete i, I have complete opposite like i have the complete opposite perspective there like when i see john Turturro, i just i can only think of transformers um uh, like wow. I, I couldn't take him serious at all so we have like radically different i guess like first impressions of john turturro but somehow <laughs> we all wound up at the same place because my mental image of him is the villain in the zohan and i just oh i take him seriously on this one but it's really good like don't get me wrong yeah i thought he killed it like trying to get a nice serious undertone to like the whole mob boss image but it's not anything that i would ever associate him with I mean, that's basically like whatever role you pick, like all three of those, he kind of plays that same thing. He's that kind of like eccentric, silly character. He's done like a few good ones. I'm thinking uh, Barton Fink, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? If you've seen those, like he does really good performances in those. But for the most part, like he's that kind of silly character. So it was I don't know, nice to see like a subtle performance out of him. Um, my main compliment for this movie, actually, I would say, is that I thought a lot of the roles were pretty well casted, uh, as I was generally damned. Like, Paul Dano is a great actor in pretty much anything that he does. Andy Serkis as Alfred was surprisingly entertaining, considering, like, you usually associate that role with, like, smug British man, like your Jeremy Irons or your Michael Caine, I guess, in older movies. Uh, although I did think that, like, he was a little bit robbed in terms of having very little runtime, and then they basically just shunt him to the side halfway through the movie. Yeah. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, I mean, like the Catwoman plotline honestly could have been cut from the entire movie, and I don't think he would have lost all that much, but I thought she did reasonably well. And because uh, you mentioned Killing of a Sacred Deer, Carson, like I, I not to go back on the negatives of this movie, uh, but Richard Keough for that one scene uh, in the prison where he's, uh, well, I guess like a glistens and spoiler uh, heavy zone, I guess, but where he's playing the Joker, I guess, and talking to the Riddler. I just want to point out that how sick I am of like every single Batman movie, just tossing in the Joker at every good opportunity. <laughs> I get that he has name brand appeal, but like 90 years worth of villains to pick from. Do we have to go back to him every single time? Yeah. One thing that, uh, so the most recent, the suicide squad movie, bringing out the polka dot man and making him into like a character that everyone loved, I think just shows that there are so many more characters that you can 
you know dive into with the batman lore that you could make interesting there is absolutely no reason to bring the joker back in um i am not at all interested in seeing barry keegan as the joker or however you pronounce his name um i i I think richard whoops (laughs) um i i like him as an actor um he does some good things but it's like yeah i'm exact same place like we don't need to see the joker we can do many other things well he's finally sold out (laughs) <laughs> i think he's he's derailed his his momentum of like independent interesting movies and boom he's the joker <laughs> well he also did uh what was that marvel one that nobody watched oh my god eternals i forgot yeah, about eternals. that right oh dear lord yeah that movie felt like a fever dream like i, I liked that more than i thought i would um but i that was also one that i walked into with like less than zero expectations so but no like this like there's a lot of indie movie actors in this like paul dano john turturro barry keegan like even robert pattinson's been indie movies for the last like decade or so like they put together a really good cast which is why i was looking forward to this movie in the same place and i think for the most part a lot of them did really good performances up until they didn't um but it's like 90 percent of the performances is good and then like one bad scene for a lot of the characters i would have liked to see a bit more out of james gordon um kind of made him a smaller character than they should have yeah he felt a little bit more like a sidekick i guess rather than a supporting character considering that him and batman are kind of supposed to be at odds in a lot of ways but it just kind of felt like he was the only cop on his side at some point that one, that was one that felt similar to you know in dune there's like pretty big name actors who get like a minute or two of screen time and you're like okay they're saving these people for a future movie and it seems like okay you got a good uh, actor for commissioner gordon you got uh, penguin as like a good character or good actor setting up for the future um andy circus it's like okay he didn't get a lot of screen time but obviously if they make more movies he's going to be in it so it's almost like they cast them for the universe not so much for this movie but to like have them do something better down the road all right let's talk about best batmans all time <laughs> where does robert pattinson rank in your uh let, let, let's refine it to movie batman characters theatrical movies it says adam west erasure and i won't stand for it but okay <laughs> I, I i think it's really hard to rate robert pattinson as batman because to christoph's point earlier he barely, like, you barely saw any of him in a weird way. Um, like, I, I feel like I didn't see enough of him as not just Batman, like Bruce Wayne, just the character in general. I, f- I felt like I, I can't, I don't know. It, it, it was, maybe that means he's, it was bad. <laughs> so when we're judging, like, quality of Batman here, are we talking purely based on, like, performance? Or are we considering aesthetics and, like, all the other things that you would normally associate with Batman? Like, how nice the suit is or something like that? Uh, overall? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, more performance side of things, but I think that's, like, a separate conversation of, I don't know, suit design, if you want. <laughs> I'm saying I like this suit in this one. I thought it was a little bit sleeker rather than the Ben Affleck, like, I'm wearing body armor at all times type of look that they were going for in the previous I, I one. I like the Ben Affleck Batman suit. Um, not so much when they put a lot of gadgets on him in Justice League, but I think in Batman versus Superman, like, just kind of, I don't know, more of that body armor type look that kind of seems like 
if some if a billionaire did want to dress up as a batman like that's probably the type of suit he would wear whereas like i as much as you know everyone's probably gonna say christian bale is like their favorite batman because he's i think pretty clearly the best both like bruce wayne and batman suit i didn't really care much in those movies um but he does play the bruce wayne and the batman probably the best out of anybody so let's just get that out of the way because that was my hot take uh, choice, Christian Bale. <laughs> um, let's speed past that and and talk about the other ones. Then I think George George Clooney probably. Dead I think last. maybe just dead last. Dead last. <laughs> Were you about to say <laughs> second? No, not okay. Not <laughs> like he's up there in the same way that like how can I what can I compare it to like. Just because it com- is completely ridiculous. You're going to make the and, like, Wonder it, Woman 1984 it, argument for this. Yeah, I, I was going to try not to use that, but so Christoph, for for context, I I really liked Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> now that's a hot take. Yeah, because um, because it was also completely ridiculous, um, and that just gives you a little bit of insight into what I like. But yeah, that's why George Clooney ranks pretty highly, because um, he had like. He had like Arnold, Mr. Freeze, Dr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze. Um, just all of that is hilarious. I would say that, okay, maybe I'd be a little unfair on George Clooney here. I did think maybe he was probably the best Bruce Wayne because he just kind of exuded the best kind of like raw sexual energy that you'd expect for like a 40 year old billionaire at the time. Uh, <laughs> and maybe he was just weighed down a lot by his supporting cast. I actually can't remember who was it Poison Ivy in that movie that was Nicole Kidman or am I hallucinating that? Uma Thurman. No, she Uma Thurman. Yeah. Uma Thurman. Right. Sorry. This was the Kill Bill generation. Completely forgot about that. Uh, but yeah, as Batman, I mean, it kind of suffered almost the same from this movie where he just didn't really get a lot of screen time and the screen time that he did, like he was basically mute. So I, I would put him dead last <laughs> on that one. Wait, who is dead last? George Clooney. He's oh, okay. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'd put him in. I, I like Val Kilmer, but Val Kilmer's probably down there as well. Um, probably more so because those movies are bad, less so than about him being bad. But I would put like George Clooney last and then Val Kilmer second last. And then with Christian Bale first, that basically gives us Pattinson, Ben Affleck, and Michael Keaton as like two, three, four. And then for those three, I would probably say, and this will probably be controversial, but Pattinson then Affleck, then Keaton. That is a hot take. Uh... Maybe, like, I'll give Keaton the opportunity to change my opinion when The Flash comes out later this year because he's reprising his role and maybe like he might add a little bit more nuance to it. But like, I don't know. Everyone loved the 89 Batman movies, but for me it was like, okay. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, when you like, you hear something you're like, part of me just wants to just like completely revolt against that opinion, but I'm also trying to f- really struggle to find reasons to refute it right it's, now. It's uh, like, yeah, I, exactly. Like you disagree, but you can't really like the other options are Val Kilmer and George Clooney. I mean, yeah. for you, I mean, for me, it's easy. George Clooney is that de- I, I upgraded him to second. <laughs> <laughs> um Pattinson, he's like he's in a different list until I see the next Batman movie, because he doesn't exist as Batman yet to me. Are there yeah. maybe Lego Batman? Uh, Will Arnett, I'll put him third. 
I'm, I'm allowed to do that, right? <laughs> I guess he is theatrical movie, so. Yeah. Justice League cartoon Batman is technically, I guess, not in the same category, but I'd probably put him above all everybody else, actually, now that I think about it. The huh. I, I wish that we could see Batman in the Justice League dynamic the way that they have Batman in the cartoon DC movies, because he's much more of like a almost like a non-character because he just doesn't trust anyone and he's leading like he's kind of so like there's so much hatred and so much like you don't even care what Bruce Wayne is at that point. He's just like a force of nature. And I wish we could see that side of things, but it goes back to he needs to not be the main character because in most of the Justice League cartoon movies, it's like um, Flash or Green Lantern are the main characters because they're the more like relatable to the audience. And then that kind of frees up Batman to be completely unrelatable and full of anger and hatred, which I think the character should be, but they keep wanting to make him a main character. And that's where Ben Affleck's character went wrong in justice league because they tried to have him be like Iron Man or Tony Stark or like that type of leading character that makes jokes and whatnot. And it's like, no, that's, that's not Batman. (laughs) Batman is not the main character. He's much more interesting when he's not the main character. To be honest, between the Ben Affleck movies, when you watch Batman versus Superman, then his portrayal in Justice League, it almost is like you're watching two different characters in a way. Just because, yeah. uh, like, Batman v Superman, Batman, I, I thought it could have been ridiculously interesting with a lot of the elements between, like, the dead Robin, uh, whatever rampage apparently he went on where he killed, like, half of his villains. Like, there's a lot of interesting backstory there that you can leverage. And I thought Ben Affleck was at least, like, reasonably charming as Bruce Wayne, so you could kind of make him believable there. But then, yeah, as you said, when they got to Justice League, it's like, all right, let's make this formulaic and turn him into Robert Downey Jr. when I don't think Ben Affleck has a sense of humor. Well, so, not really did- sure. Did you watch the Snyder Cut, or are you talking about theatrical cut of Justice League? Theatrical cut, I could not make it through all Snyder Cut. I literally just went to see the dark side scenes and skipped past the rest. Because the <laughs> the theatrical Justice League, like, yeah, absolutely what you're saying, but it's like, that's because someone else took over the franchise and said, okay, you are literally a different character now. Um, whereas in the Snyder Cut, they have it a little bit closer to what it was in Batman vs. Superman, but it's still... It, I think if... Justice League was never made, and it was just Batman versus Superman. I would probably hold Ben Affleck as number two behind Christian Bale. Like even the good version of Justice League that I liked ruined that character a little bit. I don't know if I'd rate him that high, just because I consider that character wasted potential. Uh, I'm honestly just going to go ahead and just say Michael Keaton as second, only just because uh, that was like him sort of in his prime. So he was a little bit more believable in the role. And I just enjoyed the like darker take on Batman in general. Like the man just did not care about killing a man. Plus, if I'm being honest, and this is, I realize the hottest take, if we're ever ranking villains, I would put the Jack Nicholson Joker over the Heath Ledger Joker. I realize that's going to get me like probably murdered in an alley at some point, but I'm going to say that I enjoyed their dichotomy a lot better than what was going on in The Dark Knight. I think if they wanted to bring back the Joker, I wish they would have gone something closer to the Jack Nicholson one. Because what they're looking like they're doing within this franchise is very much what Heath Ledger's was. And it's like, that's very, very different than what the character is in the comics. And it's like, okay, if you want to bring back the character, bring back the the very different uh, comic book character. Where it's like the more sophisticated, charming type Joker who like contrasts with Batman a bit more. I don't need to see Batman with a cut mouth again. Like it's that that's been done as well as it can be done. So, so to clarify, you're not advocating for the return of Jared Leto. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I forgot that he did that. (laughs) I wish I could forget that he did it. We should just let's, let's make the calendar man movie already. 
like I'm too uh, I'm 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 bored of Batman, and I realize this is very hypocritical of me to say as a Marvel fan, but I'm done. I think I'm done with Batman. I'm still gonna watch the second movie, obviously, but. So I feel a little Marvel right now. It's like I know I'm still know. watching Moon Knight. <laughs> I watched every episode the week it came out. And I'm gonna shit on it. Did that not get canceled? I feel like I saw something about that. No, Moon Knight season came out. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, yeah. They canceled making it a real movie about a real character, and they just turned it into a bunch of Disney bullshit again. So that's sort of traditional. I mean, I always found Moon Knight to be a strange concept. Although to tie it back to the Batman stuff, it's like. The subtext about Batman is supposed to be that he's mentally ill. Whereas with Moon Knight, we're just like, yeah, we're going to make that overt and just accept it. Yeah. At, it, it, at the at the risk of going too far down a, a different tangent completely from Batman, I, I think the the more they get into characters that are like obscure, not even obscure, like Doctor Strange is not obscure, but I know nothing about like the stuff that they're bringing up now, Moon Knight and Do- like the other Doctor Strange things of the like extended Marvel characters. I think it's a nice surprise that I don't know anything about them. So the reveals mean nothing to me, but it's just like I'm enjoying the movies. So that's why I'm excited <laughs> about the future of Marvel because they have enough success that they can start doing weird stuff. It's like with DC, you can't take any risk because they're on the verge of like failing as a franchise right now and so you need to do the most safe thing you can do you need to hire like the hot young actors and actresses you got to give the version of the character that everyone wants you can't deviate from the formula whereas like when marvel deviates like they had enough success with iron man and whatnot that you could make a guardians of the galaxy movie and you could hire a weird director to do weird stuff and it can work um so i i like that they can do some weird stuff although the tv shows seem very similar but i liked all the the loki stuff it was very weird it was very different um so at least they have that going for them and i hope they get more weird and i hope dc gets some success in the future so that we can get like a justice league dark movie at some point uh but that seems like a far way away at this point (laughs) if anything i kind of hope they follow a similar tack i guess to the marvel plot line which is that you're going to have a movie and then maybe just some like derivative series that come out of it the best version that I can think of was, uh, I assume you guys both watched the new Suicide Squad one that James Gunn did as a redux. And then they had the yep. Peacemaker series as a follow-up to it, which had its own flaws, but honestly, I thought it was hugely entertained by it from start to finish. John Cena is a dramatic actor now. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree with you on that, especially about John Cena, which I never thought I would ever say uh, in a million years. <laughs> Him and Dave Bautista, I think have been like my favorite uh, sort of like career remasterings in the last five years where both of them are like trying to do like semi-serious movies now. And meanwhile, you have like your typical like musclehead guys from like the last generation. They're just like, no, nah, I'm doing comedy and nothing else. Well, I find <laughs> it funny when Dave Bautista comes out and he's like trying to make fun of The Rock and everything. It's like, okay, you guys just make action movies. I make serious movies. And it's like, uh, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> You're like the muscle idiot of the the serious movies, but it was Dune. I wouldn't really call that a serious movie, really, at the start of it. But okay. Well, Batista and Dune got the same amount of screen time as uh, Pattinson and Batman. So <laughs> I I don't understand what you guys are saying with like Pattinson not getting a lot of stuff. I thought he was in the movie quite a bit, but maybe I need to do maybe... a rewatch. Maybe he was just so good at being in the shadows and being stealthy that we never saw him or heard him speak. That's real method acting right there. 
Um, any any final thoughts on the Batman, or have we worn this to its end? I th- no, I mean, I, I realize we haven't really talked about Catwoman or Zoe Kravitz that much, but I don't even ha- I don't have that much more to say. <laughs> uh, I mean, my whole take on Zoe Kravitz's plotline was like I think she did admirably well with what she was given, uh, but again, the entire storyline just felt a little bit superfluous. Like you could have replaced her with like say her roommate that got killed at the start of the season as the spy, I guess, in the club, and you could have achieved the same point. I also don't think you really needed, um, uh, like I might be reading too much into this, but at least my interpretation, at least of like the three main characters, if you will, from two like Batman, Riddler and Catwoman, it's like, oh, they're all orphans and let's see how they all turned out with like vastly <laughs> different life circumstances. And I think you got enough of that between Bruce and Paul Dano, but you didn't really need to add Zoe Kravitz to it as well. And if but I'm being honest, that costume was ridiculous. But yeah, <laughs> but she's a young, hot actor. You got to put her in the movie like... I didn't think the costume was ridiculous. It has its benefits. Um, (laughs) Like, honestly, if you take her out of the movie, there's no female character in this movie at all. Um, So it's like, okay, maybe good from that perspective. The romance really could have been cut out. Like, like, it felt like Twilight teen romance at scenes. (laughs) And that was one of the, like, when I was saying earlier, like, there was good stuff and then it really dropped off a cliff at certain points. Like any of the scene that was supposed to be like a hinted romance between those two was like, Oh my God, total cringe. Even though I like both of those actors in their roles for the rest of the movie, it's like, it just feels so forced. It was also just kind of a mood whiplash. Cause I think it was like some not so subtle hinting that Catwoman and her roommate were in a relationship with each other. And that's why she's so turned on trying to find her murderer. But then like four days after like said lover has died and she's confirmed that she's trying to hook up with Batman. Like, <laughs> you rebounded fast, but fair enough. That, uh, yeah, that doesn't uh, really bode well for her, her character or her morality character. I don't know. But that's where like, I it just, did, it felt like they were really trying to set up like five movies here. And so they were trying to plant seeds and it's like that, that didn't belong in this movie at all. It didn't have anything to do with what this movie was trying to do. You, you didn't even have to hint at that romance at all. You could just have it, those characters know each other. And then if you want to make the romance part of a movie, then you can do that in a future movie because they know each other. Like there's no need to set yeah. it up here. Yeah. Also, it just kind of like, like curtails the possible development that you can do with Robert Pattinson as Batman. Like, I don't know, maybe they want to go like the creepy cartoon route and then just like him and Batgirl have a relationship in the future, but then everybody's going to be asking, well, where did Catwoman go? Yeah. So I guess one last uh, thing I guess I kind of want your guys' take on. Ranking Batman villains, where does Riddler praise along that? You got to take them all or nothing, right? I can't just take parts of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Some total, like, start to finish. What is he like yelling like with his shrill voice on the phone? Like, ooh, <laughs> Batman. Because that's actually like the only part of the character that we really see. Like, I, I guess at the beginning of the movie, you see him kind of in the shadows and that part of him. And then you don't really see the Riddler for most of the, the movie. You see the result of his things or like a video of him. Um, and so everything where the Riddler actually comes on screen is all pretty bad. But what they hint at the Riddler to be throughout the movie, I thought was quite good. Yeah, the mental breakdown of the asylum, I think, kind of just ruined it for me, where he was acting like a jilted lover that his like pretend best friend wasn't agreeing with everything that he was saying. <laughs> Up until that point, I thought he was like relatively sinister, especially in the uh, like the church bombing scene at the funeral. But it kind of went off the rails real quick. Yeah, just above Mister Freeze, really. Which is too. <laughs> 
<laughs> that, you, you can't make that comparison. Those are two. It's like a movie and a non-movie. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> but it's, I, I heard that there was something that came out about this movie that like Paul Dano insisted that one scene got reshot like a hundred times so that he could do it just right. And in my head, I'm like, what scene did you need to do a hundred times? <laughs> and that like, what we got was right, still let's... only the best you could do. <laughs> All right, let's do it again. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's going to, he's low on my list. I don't, there's, I, and I mean, almost everyone from the George Clooney movies, the villains are pretty high. <laughs> so I guess the hotter take between him and Jim Carrey, who was the better one there? Jim Carrey. Yeah, I, I think I'd I, have to agree, honestly. I, I enjoyed Jim Actually, yeah. yeah. Now that I think about it, like, yeah, his uh, costume in those movies isn't much to write home about. J- Jim Carrey. I, I feel like Jim Carrey is, it was like the 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 perfect casting for like the true to comics well sorry I, I can't say true to comics riddler but because i haven't really read them but the how i saw the riddler in in the comics is is how is it was jim carrey and him like just hamming it up <laughs> i actually like i've read a lot of batman comics i don't think i've read any like riddler batman comics uh, now that i think about it but most of the good versions of the riddler that i've seen is like him as a much more serious character like, if you think especially because the Riddler is supposed to be a more cognitive, smarter character, it's like, I don't think of Jim Carrey in that role. <laughs> okay, then I actually, yeah, I don't know what I'm basing it off of, but that that's always how I've seen Riddler. Maybe it's just because of how I grew up um, seeing Riddler was Jim Carrey. His also his general appearance, I guess, kind of just like invites like a particular like camp interpretation. Like, I, which, like, camp can be done right if you see it in a movie, not to go back to Wonder Woman 84, but, like, I love Pedro Pascal in that one and, like, the oh. sort of over-the-top character that he played <laughs> in it as Maxwell Lord. Uh, Jim Carrey might be a step too far for me, personally, but, yeah. I don't know. Going back to your question, like, there's Heath Ledger Joker, there's Tom Hardy Bane, and then there's a very, very far drop-off to anyone else. And, like, oh, really? the, the George Clooney, like, the, the Schwarzenegger and Uma Thurman, like... <laughs> Those are entertaining for different reasons. Um, I agree that like Arnold Schwarzenegger nailed that role for what that role was supposed to be. Um, it was not attempting to be Tom Hardy Bane or like Heath Ledger Joker. It was meant to be like silly and entertaining, and let's like they accomplished that. But that's still pretty far different from taking a villain seriously and, and executing it well. I'm surprised you put the, the Tom Hardy Bane, to be honest, that high. Like for me, it's Jack Nicholson Joker right to the top of the list just for how threatening he is in every single scene. But the Tom Hardy Bane, I don't know. Maybe it's just the internet hate machine kind of got too much into it. But with the voice modulator, I could not take him seriously. Especially when uh, like Batman insists on doing the voice like after his identity has been revealed. And just like, where's the trigger? <laughs> I, I like Dark I never- Knight Rises a lot more than a lot of people do. I think it got a lot of hatred because it came after The Dark Knight and everyone had super high expectations, but it's still, it's it's not as good for sure, but it's still really good. I will say, actually, that's one thing that this movie did a lot better than The Dark Knight Rises, which is, a, I guess, one really, really limited category is that Batman didn't really look as ridiculous during the day, especially, because uh, that one scene where in The Dark Knight Rises where he's charging down with a bunch of cops, I'm like, you, you don't need <laughs> to have a cape for this right now. But whereas for this one, like, all right, at least like the sort of sepia filtering works a lot better. That's true, actually. I'll, and on that note, I'll never 
get over the fact that all those cops were completely unarmed and they were ru- like <laughs> running at like a fully like just military unit <laughs> with tanks. <laughs> now, the real question is, is that a better portrayal of the Gotham cops than what you got in this movie? Because uh, I, I got to be honest, like the one I think like takeaway here is just like, wow, this city is completely beyond helping. Like the commissioner, <laughs> the mayor, the like 500 other cops beneath them are all apparently getting paid off by the mob. Like, why does he even bother? So one, this is maybe a bit of a sidetrack, but one of my favorite scenes in this movie, and it's probably not saying much about the movie, is where he has to punch Gordon and then run out the scene and all the (laughs) cops are chasing him. Like, that's wonderful. Like, everyone seems like they're legitimately, like, crazy and trying to get him and that the cops hate him. And that that felt like old school Batman to me. Like, I I love that, like, short 30-second scene. Yeah, it was fine. Like, even starting with when he was, like, when he wakes up, when he first wakes up and there's, like, a mob of cops, like, around him. And he's just, like, trying to fight them off. Meanwhile, no one thought to take his mask off the entire time that he was unconscious. Yeah. Maybe there, he had the Christian the, Bale sparkly thing. They're not, <laughs> Gotham's cops are clearly not the best and brightest um, okay. ever. <laughs> they weren't even really taking that much in bribe money. It was probably, like, 50 bucks a week, and that's all <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good place to uh, end this episode off. Uh, we will once again provide you uh, zero prep time for what our closing oh, sh- section of our podcast is, which is oh, what movie like- coming out soon are you looking forward to watching? I will go first while I give you guys time some some quick time to Google this. Um, mine is a bit of a cheat. Uh, the Northman just came out online. Um, I, I basically don't count theatrical releases anymore because I can't go to the theater, but the Northman is basically a new release to me. And so that is online. And that was, that was my number one most anticipated movie of 2021. And then when it didn't come out, I think it was number four on my 2022 most anticipated list. So I finally get to see it. And even though a lot of people are saying it's like a, a hero film for white supremacists, I'm still going to try to enjoy it anyway. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I, I heard, read a few articles where they're like, does the Northman just appeal to white supremacists? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, that's an <laughs> interesting take considering all the weird like King Arthur movies we've had in the last couple of years, but all right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm still looking forward. And I, I did hear that this is the first movie that Robert Eggers did not have final cut on the movie. So with Lighthouse and The Witch, he had full creative control over those movies. This one he did not. But he said when he shot the movie, he made made a point of only shooting every scene with one camera so that the the studio couldn't fuck him over and completely change the movie uh, he basically <laughs> gave them no choice so still looking forward to that's it. pretty cool i respect that smart movie um christoph are you ready i could I, I could probably go uh off the top of my head i haven't really been keeping track i guess on new releases but the one that caught my eye was uh crimes of the future the the david cronenberg movie that i think is coming out in a month or two uh just the general like transhumanism stuff i think is kind of nice in terms of pushing the envelope of what can and be cannot be shown on screen especially considering the body horror industry kind of went like the way of the human centipede and i think kind of needs to be redeemed a little bit and separate from that, I mean, just like the cast is a very weird combination of people that I just can't ever really see interacting together. So I'm kind of curious as to how that pulls off between like Viggo Mortensen and then Leia Seydoux, who I've only known as either like a Bond girl or like a lipstick lesbian. And I'm not really sure how she's going to fit into like body <laughs> modification and mutilating herself. And Kristen Stewart. Yeah, I tried to forget that part. <laughs> Personal shopper was the biggest like hour and a half of my life. I'm never getting back. 
those <laughs> movies of uh, that and Clouds of Sils Maria are like why I like Kristen Stewart as an actress now. <laughs> Future just... episode uh, <laughs> of potential. I just like that, and this is a bit sidebar, but we're talking about Robert Pattinson. It's like they went from like the worst teen movies that everyone made fun of and they could have just jumped into some other thing. And they went the total indie road to like rebuild their career and now they're doing quite well with it. So I, I respect the hell out of Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson for like taking that approach in their career and actually pulling it off. Yeah. Um, I was kind of cheating because this was on my uh, top 10 most looking forward to this year list. But uh, the Nope is uh, coming up pretty soon. Uh, the Jordan Peele movie, uh, which I've, I don't think anyone knows what it's about. People are just flying into the sky for some reason or like getting pulled up into the sky. Um, yeah, I'm, just, I'm looking forward to that. So this reminds me of like a, a question I was asking myself the other day because I forget what movie I watched, but I was kind of realizing that like, well, not, not a new realization, but every franchise we love is ruined now. Uh, like star wars <laughs> is ruined star trek now with the the tv shows is ruined ghostbusters is dead like everything that we loved has been killed and i just wonder if in 20 it's 30 years <laughs> what are the franchises being created now that kids in 20 and 30 years are going to be like these are amazing franchises that were developed new um because when i think about jordan peele i'm like nope it's like he's creating new ideas yeah, even though they're like heavily inspired by other things, it's like I was just thinking about like what are the movies coming out now that are fresh original ideas that are actually going to last thirty years, get bought over by a corporation, and then get absolutely ruined, <laughs> pushed into the ground. First, first of all, I largely disagree with that first part of what you said. Still, every single franchise is ruined. Every single one. Uh, that's it's a it's a contentious point. What's a franchise that. that's doing just as well as it was thirty years ago? Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. It's a hot take. Yeah, it works. Uh, I will fight you on Star Trek only just because thirty years ago that franchise was like not even on life support. It was on like palliative care, and also the newer series with uh, Anson Mount. If anyone hasn't seen it, is significantly better than all the other TV series put together. Which one? Uh, Strange New Worlds. I think New World. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Two weeks ago, I, I've been going off of reviews I've seen for Picard and the other. Uh, that looks pretty bad. Yeah, Picard could have. It was better if that was not made. <laughs> but I, going back to your question, I mean, um, I, I I had a really good one that I was thinking of a, a few days ago, uh, but I can't remember it now. Maybe. Uh, um, Fast and Furious, that'll be rebooted and run into the ground in 30 years. But uh, it's already dead. Like It's <laughs> it's not like they made three movies that were great and will be remembered and then they'll come back. It's like they already used I, it all up. I don't know. They're still making a killing somehow. They also remastered that franchise in like three different directions because we started off with like gearheads to like heists to like <laughs> spy movies now. I'm not even sure where we landed, but... Yeah. Um, hmm. Arguably Harry Potter, if we don't count like Fantastic Beasts and everything it's put us through. And I think like the three times recasting of its main villain or whatever we're on now. Yeah. No, they could. It's, it's not dead yet. They they have hope for it. Maybe we'll see a remake of Saving Private Ryan. Uh, 
that'll be just completely horrible. It'll be like a big dumb action movie in 20 years. It's like, I don't think, I don't think studio can let a franchise be well known and successful without ruining it for a 30 year period. <laughs> like matrix. It took them like 10 years, 10, 15 years. And then they had to come back and ruin it. It's like that they wouldn't long gone are the days of like, that's a good trilogy. Let's just leave it like that. But it was so good. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's a, I think that's a good um, uh, next episode uh, topic. What do we what do we see these uh, the reboots for some of the current franchises looking like in thirty years? Or we could even just pitch them to the studios, right? Like ourselves. <laughs> Done. I'm gonna come up with a pitch for this. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the Lethal Weapon remake we've all envisioned. Stranger oh, Things, a, the movie a good with one. the the kids' kids. <laughs> oh God! In the two thousands. <laughs> Let's, okay, yeah, let's end it there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another episode, and we will be back again next month.